Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 10 of the Banner Banter Podcast. It is Monday, October 8th, 2018. This is a Boston Celtics season ticket holder podcast. My name is Timmy G. Thanks for tuning in once again. First off, I just want to say rest in peace to my uncle Mark. He passed away one year ago today. Some thoughts and prayers go out to my entire family. Got a big podcast for you guys today, a lot to talk about from Kyrie to the third and fourth preseason game, have another Banner Banter podcast, of course, got your Celtics stud and dud of the week. You can listen to this fine podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, you name it, it's on there. You can also follow us on all of our social media pages at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at BannerBanner18 on Twitter. So first thing we have to get to is Kyrie made a huge, huge announcement about how he didn't think the world is actually flat. I think that is very brave of him, and I'm really glad he stepped up to the plate and actually apologized. This is what he had to say. At the time, I didn't realize the effect. At the time, I'm definitely a big conspiracy theorist. You can't tell me anything. I'm sorry about all that. For all the science teachers, everybody coming up to me like, you know I have to reteach my whole curriculum. I'm sorry. I apologize. What a great and honorable move by Kyrie Irving at the Forbes event in Boston last week to say something like that. You know, Tim, that's neat and all, but do you want to get to the point? Okay, okay. We'll, we'll we'll talk about the big announcement. Kyrie Irving at a season ticket holder event last week has said that he plans on resigning with the Boston Celtics for a max deal next summer. Huge news. Give me a moment, please. Okay, this is what Kyrie Irving had to say at the season ticket holder practice last week. This uh, is quite important, and... Uh... I appreciate that, Scout. I joined him, but I shared it with some of my teammates as well as the organization and everyone else in Boston. You guys will have me back. I plan on re-signing here next year. Boom! So, I appreciate it. I did not attend the season ticket holder practice because my great friend John Curley asked me to go to the Patriots game. I've been to the practice a whole bunch. It's pretty cool, but once you've seen it three or four times, you've seen it. So I went to the Patriots game. My season ticket holder rep texted me. Part of me didn't want to believe it. Part of me, obviously, you know, he's smart enough to realize that he can't really screw with my head like that. So I did believe it. And then literally, like, right after my season ticket rep texted me, Shams from The Athletic tweeted out, As Boston star Kyrie Irving says at a Celtics fan event that he plans to resign with the team next summer, Irving has also communicated with Boston ownership over the past several weeks and verbally committed plans to stay long-term. Kyrie has met with the Celtics ownership and has been direct with his message to Boston's brass over the past few months. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? This is... This is huge news. You know, remember last week how I said Xavier McDaniels in the Banner Banter investigation could arguably be the biggest 
contract, you know, like re-signing ever or free agency ever. This, this, I can't even speak right. This is how excited I am. This is huge for the Celtics. Now, of course, after all that happened, Jay King from The Athletic also reached out to Kyrie and kind of confirmed that Kyrie has reached out to Anthony Davis about how they've always wanted to team up together in the future. Now, of course, who would want Anthony Davis, right? I mean, who wouldn't? You'd, you'd be dumb not to want Anthony Davis. But here's the thing. I just don't see how that happens because the Pelicans are probably going to want the world, maybe all the other planets too, like everything in the solar system for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is the heart and soul of that New Orleans Pelicans franchise. You know, just like Chris Paul, huge, huge, huge impact to the league if they have a superstar like that leave to go to a bigger market. I mean, I know it's great for the NBA as a whole, the NBA community to, you know, maybe have uh, Warriors, Celtics, or Lakers, Celtics rivalry, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, they still have to keep the Pelicans around. It's a great franchise. It's a great city. I've never been. I've just heard it's a great city. So it's just very, very interesting to see how that all plays out. And if you're Danny Ainge, you're going to have to give up draft picks, Tatum, Brown, probably Terry Rozier. I know you're probably not going to resign Terry Rozier anyway, especially now that you're going to be resigning Kyrie. But you're going to have to give up a lot of pieces just for one. And I would rather have a team of 12 versus a team of six. I know Anthony Davis is that good, but I think one of the reasons why a team like the Rockets almost beat the Warriors last year is because the Warriors really aren't that deep. They just have great, great players, like six or seven of them. But they don't have... 8, 9, 10, 12 guys that they can throw out on the court every night. And I would rather prefer that than have Anthony Davis, depending on what we have to give up. Now, if they just want, like, our next four draft picks, Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, sure. Take all take all of the draft picks. I don't care. But Jalen Brown next year is technically going to be a free agent. Obviously, the Celtics are going to pick up the team option. So I don't have to worry about re-signing him then. But if you're the Pelicans, are you really going to give up Anthony Davis Basically, hopefully, Jalen Brown resigns with you. I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I personally don't think it's going to happen. If it happens, I'm not going to be upset about it that much. But obviously, depending on you know what we have to give up. But I think overall, I just don't see Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving playing together unless Anthony Davis comes to the East and Anthony Davis is an All Star because these days it's not very hard to be an All Star in the East. Now, as great as this Kyrie news actually is, and I'm like I mentioned earlier, I think in like week one or two of the Banner Banter podcast, it's great that he has said this now that cloud has drifted away and it's not over all the players' heads. Kyrie's not going to get asked about it every single city that he goes to. All the Knicks fans can shut up. <laughs> Suck it. Verbal commitment is obviously great. How about you just go over there and resign right now, bud? Just resign right now and let's get that thing on on the dotted line and let's all move on with our lives and we can enjoy Kyrie Irving for the next five years with the Boston Celtics. All right, the other kind of, I thought it was kind of big news personally is Brad Stevens is a huge fan of Marcus George Hunt. Marcus George Hunt is someone that the Celtics signed last week or two weeks ago to a training camp deal. And Brad said that he was a fan the last time he was on the training camp roster for the Celtics and thought he has impacted the practices already but didn't play in the third preseason game. But he did play in the fourth preseason game. And he actually played like 
really well. And it was a limited amount of time. He scored over five points. He only scored, played for 11 minutes. And I understand that's preseason, but I could definitely see Marcus George Hunt, depending on this Jabari Bird situation, making the preseason roster. Uh, I'm sorry, the the final roster. At first, you know, I understand it's preseason, and obviously Brad speaks very highly of a lot of players because, you know, A, that's his job, and B, he actually does believe in them. But Marcus George Hunt could definitely fill that, you know, Jabari Bird role coming up into the early part of the season. Now, does he make the playoff roster, you know, if the Celtics make the playoffs? I don't think so, but I think it's definitely something that, you know, the Celtics should think about. All right, let's talk about the third and fourth preseason games against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Celtics lost both of those games. Kyrie did not play. Terry started in his place in in both games. In in the third preseason in the third preseason game at the Garden, uh Gordon and the rest of the starters aren't even on the same page. Like they're not even close. And it's kind of frustrating to see. I mean, there were times where Horford passed the ball to Jalen instead of Gordon, who was wide open. And, you know, Jalen was able to get the basket and go to the free throw line. But, you know, Gordon was also wide open. So I feel like maybe the starters aren't looking for him yet. And that's fine. And I know that's going to take time. But it was a great play that Brad set up because it was a delay double cut. So basically Gordon went first and then by that he took like two or three steps and then Jalen went so the team really didn't know what to do because one of one of the defenders had to slip down because clearly the backdoor cut beat one of the defenders and then that gave the open lane to Jalen so I understand maybe it was a a setup all along for Jalen Brown to score but I mean Gordon Hayward was wide open on a play and I know it was a specific play and it just kind of bothered me that like they're still missing him on these like wide open cuts with that being said, I thought Gordon Hayward looked a lot better, more comfortable than he has before. He was attacking the basket well, but the thing is, is he was playing with the second unit, and that's when he scored a majority of his points, is when he was out there with Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris and Daniel Tice, and I thought that was very interesting. Like, should the Celtics go with a Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Aaron Baines, Al Horford starting lineup, even though I thought... Gordon and Jalen should switch, and then you have Gordon Hayward coming off the bench, but do you want to be paying someone that much money to come off the bench? I think to start the season, sure, why not? Let Gordon get back into the flow of things, start recognizing some of, you know, it's one thing to be in shape and be physically ready, but to be mentally ready and get all those basketball habits back, that's going to take some time for Gordon Hayward, because sure, you could play one-on-one with Bradley Beal and beat Bradley Beal every single time, and if you're wondering why I'm mentioning Bradley Beal, Zach Lowe had a great article about Gordon Hayward and his recovery process, and one of the things was he played one-on-one with Gordon Hayward because Bradley Beal and Gordon Hayward have the same exact trainer, so when you think about that, Gordon was playing with some of the best guys, but again, it was one-on-one. Bradley Beal is a great, great player. He can shoot the lights out. He's a reasonable defender, but he said at the end of it that Gordon Hayward was 100% back, but it's one thing to play one-on-one versus five-on-five, and that's definitely showing now with Gordon Hayward. So just keep an eye on that because I think Gordon could come off the bench a little bit until he starts getting into his into his habits. One thing that I noticed a great deal about preseason game three and preseason game four, Point Horford is what we need. It is here to stay. He had seven assists in the fourth preseason game. It was absolutely incredible how well he played. Aaron Baines, I thought, played pretty well. It was good to 
basically the starting five for the third preseason game and the fourth preseason game was the starting lineup for the entire playoff run, which I thought was great to see. It was cool to see again. Clearly, they did not have the same magic in any way, shape, or form because the Cavs starters destroyed them every opportunity that they could, which was it was a little frustrating to watch. I mean, the, the defense, once again, has just been atrocious. I don't know where it went. I hope they find it. Maybe they're just not showing it right now, which is, you know, which is perfectly fine, but they, but they need to find it. One thing that I noticed was Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice, especially in the third preseason game, the third preseason game fouled way too much. I mean, he uses his hands so often. And, you know, as a former basketball player, like I'm saying that like I was professional, but I just remember the drill where you had to play defense with your hands tied behind your back. And I fully believe that Daniel Tice should go to Brighton and work out with one of the assistant coaches and do that for a very long time. Because, again, we had another Celtics big that couldn't handle a reasonably athletic big man in Tristan Thompson from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tristan Thompson is no joke. He can rebound the ball better than anyone, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And Daniel Tice just couldn't keep up with him. And I understand Daniel Tice is also coming off an injury and has to kind of get back into those basketball habits that Gordon Hayward was getting into. But it was it was bad. Like, Daniel Tice needs to get his, his defensive stuff together because on the offensive end, Daniel Tice is going to be fine. We all know that. Brad also had another weird uh, lineup that I saw in the third precinct. The third preseason game, it was Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Semi Ojale, and Al Horford. Who, who's, who's the point guard there? So it was it was interesting to see Marcus Morris and Al Horford switch off, bringing the ball up. It was only for like two and a half, maybe three minutes, but it was just so weird to see, <laughs> you know, Brad say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go with literally the most random group of guys ever and see how it works. And it wasn't terrible, but I, I, I don't think he'll be he'll be doing that again. One of the really cool parts about the about the third preseason, the third preseason game, I don't understand why I can't say third preseason game. But anyways, it had to do with the bench. Like when I mean the bench, like the guys who probably aren't going to make the team minus Yabo, but the Celtics were down a a lot of points. I think they were down like 18 or 19 points at one point. And Yabo and Walt Lemon and all those guys, like, you know, guys you aren't even thinking of. Dozier, not Rozier, but Dozier, PJ Dozier, the kid from South Carolina that we re- that we signed about a month ago for the training camp roster. Those guys cut the lead down to a few points. And it was actually really, really fun to see. And it, and it was exciting. And, and Yabo was everywhere he had a chase down block he had a whole bunch of rebounds and he was a plus 15 yabo was a plus 15 and it's very interesting to see yabo play that well because remember on november 1st the celtics have to make a decision if they plan on re-signing yabo they can keep him for the rest of this year but it's all about his player option next year and they have to make a decision by november 1st and that decision could be come in huge with the tax, with the luxury tax. Very interesting to see how the Celtics play that, because right now I think the Celtics are like $3.8 million above the tax. And if they get get rid of Yabo, it would get them down to like $1 million over the tax. So, you know, they could maybe reduce someone's salary or maybe cut
cut someone else and then re-sign someone for super cheap. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Yabo did, does, but it was great to see Yabo play so well, especially in that third preseason game. And after the third preseason game, Brad was not, not happy at all. Brad said that he couldn't be more unimpressed with the team so far. And I'm glad Brad's saying that. I I mentioned it earlier, you know, the team could be overhyped. The way the guys were talking about the Eastern Conference Finals going to be won by them, going to the NBA Finals, you got to win some games first before you can talk that. And it's really showing right now, and it's really, really frustrating. And I understand it's preseason, and I know we're eight days away from opening night at TD Garden against the 76ers at 8 p.m. on TNT. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man, we have to figure out how everyone's going to be on the same page. And I understand it's preseason. Not everyone played all the minutes that they should, but it hasn't been a very good preseason for the Boston Celtics. And just to talk about the fourth preseason game real quick as well, Gordon didn't play, Kyrie didn't play for the Celtics, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love didn't play for the Cavs, and again, they got smoked. But the big storyline was Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart got tossed out of the game because he was ready to pumble like absolutely destroy break his face and literally tattoo the word supreme across J.R. Smith's face in the first quarter of the game J.R. Smith and Aaron Baines kind of got in a little mix-up it was definitely a follow on J.R. Smith and Aaron Baines kind of tossed him over because their arms were tied up and J.R. Smith pushed Aaron Baines and then Marcus Smart came from behind pushed J.R. Smith and Marcus Smart was closed fist ready to go Marcus Smart and J.R. Smith have some beef I don't know if you guys remember the cheap shot that J.R. Smith gave Marcus Smart in the playoffs Marcus Smart doesn't forget things like that and with everything that's going on in Marcus Smart's life he's ready to rumble and I know a lot of people think Marcus Smart is a fake guy because of his flopping and all that stuff but I I would take Marcus Smart in a fight with J.R. Smith, and if this was like UFC fight, I would say Marcus Smart would win in about 45 seconds. There'd be no shot. But I'm a little nervous that Marcus Smart, because of the way he was acting and how he had the close fists and how he was going after J.R. Smith, the league could suspend him for a bit, and I'm a little nervous about that, and I'd be a little frustrated because... That's one of the negative things about Marcus Smart. You love the energy, you love the pit bull mentality, but things like that are one of the reasons why I think the Celtics were a little hesitant on giving all that money to Marcus Smart because we need Marcus Smart on the floor, not on the bench in a suit because he was about to fight someone. Now, with that being said, Marcus Smart is a strong dude so much that Jason Tatum, I understand he gained seven pounds, but that dude literally had to use every ounce of his strength to tackle Marcus Smart and keep him on the ground from not going over there and killing J.R. Smith. So I have to give a shout out to Jason Tatum for tackling Marcus Smart and literally keeping J.R. Smith alive. Speaking of Jason Tatum, him and Al Horford, I thought, had some great plays early on in the game. They kind of had like a, a two-man game. There'd be times where, you know, Al Horford would be at the elbow, Tatum would be on the wing, down in, down in the corner, and Tatum would throw the ball to Horford, and there'd be times where he would kind of curl around, get a handoff from Al Horford, or go back door, and, you know, he would catch a pass, go in for the layup from Al Horford, because Al Horford is a great passer, and like I mentioned earlier, he had seven assists. Seven assists in 20 minutes in game four of the preseason. And then there were also some times that Tatum would catch the ball on the wing and then give it back to Horford, and then Horford would kind of post up and do one of his world-famous high-off-the-glass bank shots. So I, I thought that was very cool to see, and it'll be interesting to see if Brad does that because those are two very difficult guys to defend, Point Horford or Jason Tatum. Once again, 
the Celtics in this game could not shoot in any way, shape, or form, except for Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris has had a great preseason. The first game was meh, but the second, third, and fourth game, I thought he played great. He was a leading scorer for the second straight game. He was 5 of 12 shooting, had 17 points, and it really showed how important he's going to be and where his head's at. Like, he is focused. He's ready to go. You're going to give me limited minutes. That's fine, but I'm going to get the ball, and I'm going to score. So that was great to see. But the Celtics shot 39% as a team, 75% from the free throw line, Really, really not that great. I know you're probably going to roll your eyes at this, but once again, Robert Williams, not too shabby. And I'm starting to believe that a lot of coaches in this league are going to tell guards, you cannot take a step back jumper over him. Because once again, there was one point in the game where I think it was Sexton, the Cavs rookie, tried to take a step back jumper, and Robert Williams was defending him. And Robert Williams, because his arms and his hands are so long, like Super Stretch Armstrong, he blocked the shot just like he did against the Hornets in Game 2 for the Celtics to, to capture the win at TD Garden. Overall, the Celtics finished 1-3, and three, and uh, let's be honest, nothing really looked good. Uh, Brad did say that after he called the team unimpressed that things looked a lot better behind closed doors, and obviously I wish I saw what was going on because to make me a little happier, but right now I don't feel very confident with this Boston Celtics team, and I don't know how anyone can um, at the way that they played in the preseason. So right now, you know, the level of confidence is still is still up there, but it's not as high as it was going into the preseason. And then one other cool little thing before we get into uh, the Celtics stud and dud of the week is Terry Rozier and his father. I mentioned a couple weeks ago Terry Rozier's father finally got out of jail for the first time in many, many years, and he has actually never seen Terry play. Terry's dad has spent 23 out of the last 25 years of Terry's life in prison. It's a super sad story to hear, but it's also a great story to see a father and son coming back together, and his dad actually saw Terry play for the very first time in Cleveland this past Saturday. So there was a bunch of pictures. There's a little article that Adam Hilsman, Hilsmanbach uh, from the Boston Globe wrote as well about the whole situation. If you guys have time, check it out. It's a really, really cool story. So I'm very happy for Terry Rogier and his dad. And now it's your favorite segment of the week. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud. Of the week. Okay, it is time for the Boston Celtics stud and dud of the week. But before we get into that, I think everyone needs to go to homage.com. H-O-M-A-G-E. Check out the NBA Jam t-shirts that they have. If you're a basketball fan and you played video games back in the mid-90s, the best game that you could ever play was NBA Jam. And they have some great, great Boston Celtics t-shirts over there, including one with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, just like the video game of NBA Jam. Go there, check it out. I think you guys will really enjoy those shirts. The Celtics stud of the week, super simple. Kyrie Irving, he's going to resign. Cool. Awesome. Love it. Woohoo. Yes, let's go. Kyrie's going to be your set of the week. And the dud of the week is the entire team. Three-point-wise, in the preseason, 132 shots were taken in four games. <sighs> really not ideal, because that's more than 30 a game. And guess how many they missed? They missed 101. They went 31 of 132 in the preseason. I'm angry. 
I'm just thinking about it. I'm I'm getting angry and I don't like it. So we're going to stop talking about it and that will be that. Okay, one thing that I always think is very cool, I know a lot of the NBA Twitter nerds also think it's cool, is the NBA.com GM survey. So basically, NBA.com goes around and talks to all the general managers and gets their ideas on certain topics. And obviously, it's anonymous. And it's very interesting to see what a lot of GMs think about certain teams, certain players, etc., etc. So I'm going to go through a little bit of the list right now. And then after that, we're going to have our banner banter investigation. It's a random one, and I think some people will actually enjoy it. So as a team, 7% of the general managers in the league think the Boston Celtics will win the NBA Finals which is second place overall, tied with the Houston Rockets at 7%. 90% think they will win the Eastern Conference Finals, and the only other team that got first place votes was Toronto. So a lot of general managers in this league are very confident the Celtics are going to win the Eastern Conference. 34% believe the Celtics have the best team defense, right behind the Jazz at 45%. 17% think the Celtics are the most fun to watch in the league, which is number two overall. Obviously, the Warriors are number one. And 33% agree that the Celtics have the best young core in the NBA, which is, of course, behind the Philadelphia 76ers. Celtics players-wise, 10% believe that Jason Tatum will have a breakout season. He finished second behind Jamal Murray from Denver, and it also tied with Brandon Ingram with 10%. 10% believe that Kyrie is the best point guard in the league, which is third best overall. 7% said he is the fastest with the ball in his hands. And 10% said that they would want Kyrie shooting the ball with the game on the line. So definitely a lot of cool things from Kyrie. He was definitely in the top five of all those categories that I just mentioned. And Marcus Smart actually got a lot of love, and it was great to see. Marcus Smart received some votes. He was like sixth or seventh overall for the most versatile defender in the NBA. You know, people in front of him, Draymond Green, or Green, <laughs> Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler doesn't play, then obviously Marcus Smart moves up on that list. He also received 7% of the votes for biggest impact off the bench in the league, which is huge. And Terry Rozier also received 7% as well. So a lot of GMs think that two of the Celtics bench players are going to make the biggest impact coming off the bench. Both were in the top five for those votes, so obviously that's great to see. Marcus Smart also tied LeBron James for toughest player in the NBA at 13%. Okay, Marcus, that's actually pretty cool. I mean, LeBron James, you know, as much as he flops, he's he's obviously a tough dude. I mean... Look at the guy. There's no doubt about it. So to have Marcus Smart and LeBron James in the same sentence makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm all for it. 7% believe that Al Horford is the best leader in the NBA, which, I mean, I can't disagree with that. I mean, he's definitely not the best, but he's he definitely should be up there as one of them. And I think, you know, Al deserves all the credit in the world for that. And then Brad Stevens got a bunch of love, a whole bunch of love. 47% think that Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA. Number one overall, right in front of Greg Popovich from the Spurs. 17% say he is the best manager slash motivator of people, which is third overall. 53% voted that he makes the best in-game adjustments. Well, duh. 20% said he runs the best offense in the league, which is third overall. 30% agreed that he ran the best defensive schemes in the league, which is number two overall. And then Jay, I can never pronounce his last name, but Jay Laraganga, the Celtics assistant coach, I just call him Jayla. 
he received 7% saying that he is the best assistant coach in the league. And then speaking about Celtics assistant coaches, Jerome Allen, he's been with the Celtics since 2015 as an assistant coach. He pleaded guilty for accepting a bribe in 2014 when he was working at UPenn. He could face a suspension from the Celtics, and he will have to pay back a Florida federal court $18,000 for a bribe he received from a father when it came to recruiting. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, our banner banter investigation this week is going to be on the former Celtics and Kansas Jayhawk Rafe LaFrance. He was drafted number three overall in the 1998 draft by the Denver Nuggets. He was a four-year player at Kansas, two-time Big 12 Player of the Year. And in those four years at Kansas, three of those years, he played with Paul Pierce. That's right, the captain and the truth. He was one of three. Listen to this. He was one of three... NCAA players in the 90s to earn first-team All-Americans twice. So, of course, he was going to be a bust because the other two were Tim Duncan and Shaq. And you can't be as good as Tim Duncan and Shaq. Two of... Excuse me. I just burped. That was really disgusting. But I don't think I'm going to edit that out because I'm sure some of you are probably laughing at me right now. So, anyways. But, yeah, he's not going to be in the same sentence as Tim Duncan and Shaq because they're arguably two of the top 25 best players ever. Now, 12 games into his 11-year NBA career, he tore his ACL, and he really was never the same after that. Rafe LaFrance played three years with the Boston Celtics, and the three years were very up and down, very weird. So his first season was only 17 games. Jim O'Brien was the coach. He got fired. John Carroll then stepped in. He was the assistant coach at the time, so he obviously just kind of got promoted. They went 36-46, and 46, finished fourth in the Atlantic Division, and still made the Eastern Conference playoffs. Think about that. Remember a couple of years ago when the Celtics were the eighth seed and got smoked by the Cavs in the playoffs, like Isaiah Thomas's first year here? They were like three or four games below 500, and everyone was like, oh, the East is the worst, blah, 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 blah. 10 games below 500 and you still make the playoffs and you're the fourth in your division. So clearly the Eastern Conference was a very, very bad place in the early 2000s. And then the year after that, they hired Doc Rivers as the head coach. They won the division, but lost in the seventh game of the Eastern Conference Finals to the Pacers. And then the year after that, his third and final year with them, they absolutely crapped themselves and went 33-49, and no playoffs. So how did Ray LaFrentz get to the Boston Celtics? Well, he got traded with Chris Millis and Yuri Welsh and a 2004 first-round draft pick, which turned into Delonte West. Those all came from the Mavericks, and Tony Delk and Antoine Walker went to the Mavericks. 179 games in a Celtics uniform. He started 144 of them, 9 points a game in 25 minutes. And then June of 2006, he was traded with Randy Le. Randy Foy and Dan Dickow to the Trailblazers for Sebastian Telfair, what a name, huh? Theo Ratliff and a second round pick. Now, <laughs> he finished in the top 10 with most fouls committed four times. You know how we were talking about Daniel Tice earlier with, you know, all the fouls that he committed? So he was second overall in the 2001 2002 season, which means he committed 3.7 fouls a game for a total of 281 fouls in one season. 
Now, I don't know who was first overall. I didn't care to look because I didn't, I didn't feel like laughing at the time. But that is pretty damn ridiculous if you can finish top 10 most fouls committed four times in your 11-year career. So it's a third of your career you're basically finishing in that statistic. Pretty crazy. Now, I have to get something off my chest. As a very small kid back in the day <laughs> playing basketball, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Jason Williams play. Of course, I enjoyed watching Jay Williams play from Duke and then went to the Bulls and then was an idiot and drove a motorcycle and crashed and never played in the NBA again. But Jason Williams from the Sacramento Kings, the kid with the sick handles, the unbelievable passes, him and Chris Webber on the cover of Slam Magazine. It was literally on like the door walking into my bedroom in my house. And if a lot of you remember, he... Jason Williams had that elbow pass where he was going down the middle of the lane in the NBA rookie versus sophomore game and went behind his back and hit his elbow. So it looked like he was dribbling behind his back, but the ball hit his elbow. He did this on purpose, and it was a pass. And guess who caught it? Rafe LaFrentz. And guess who missed the layup? Rafe LaFrentz. I have always hated you, Rafe LaFrentz, since that 2000 game. Like, you have to be kidding me. That was one of the sickest passes I have ever seen in my entire life, and you blew it. Unbelievable, Rafe LaFrentz. Absolutely unbelievable. All right, I don't want to get... I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'll get angry. So that's your banner banter investigation of the week. Rafe LaFrentz, look him up. Watch that video. Get angry with me. Anyways, that's it for episode 10 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Can't believe we've done 10 of these. Eight days. We are eight days if you're listening to this on Monday. Tuesday will be seven. Wednesday will be six, et cetera, et cetera. Days away from opening night at TD Garden, the very first game, not only of the Celtics season, but of the NBA season. It's so close. I can't wait. Ah, I'm so excited. Might have, might do a podcast next week. I'm thinking about it from the greatest bar. Possibly thinking about it. I'll let you know. I'll obviously tweet it all over the place, but maybe going down there a little bit early and recording something to to kind of get like the vibe and the atmosphere going. But I'll obviously let you know. It's just something that I thought about. But anyways, at Banner Banter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At Banner Banter 18 on the Twitter machine, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, that's where we're on. And please like, share, comment, especially with the season coming up. Any shares, any likes, any comments, any any talk about this podcast to your family, friends, social media followers, you name it, would be greatly appreciated. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Peace out. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.